Have you ever thought to yourself after listening to this podcast, why didn't Derek ask this question? Or why didn't he ask that question? I know I certainly have. Well, you get the chance to do that if you sign up for my Patreon at patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. You get the chance to ask guests of the show a question. If you're a fan of the top five list, you get the chance to vote on what the topic will be. You also get early access to episodes, accessibility to my film scripts, and so much more. And you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And we want to thank our Patreon, Tim Spivey. Thank you so much for your continued contributions to the podcast. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and this first portion of the show is a little bit of an impromptu live show. As I'm doing this, the 2021 Academy Awards have just ended about five to ten minutes ago. Originally, I was just going to pre-record this and package it with this week's show, but the ending left some strong opinions uh, in this household and with with myself, obviously. Uh, but we'll we'll get to that here in just a bit. So for those who are listening on the download version, later on you'll be hearing my conversation with filmmaker Nick Smith, who actually had his latest short film Ask Astrid accepted into the Pensacon Short Film Festival, and I had the pleasure of working on that film. So we'll be chatting about that a little bit later on in the show. But for those who are watching live, highly recommend if you want to throw in your thoughts on the Oscars, uh, definitely do so, and I will read them on the show. Um, I'm not really going to go through every award chronologically, but I wanted to give my thoughts on, one, the production of the ceremony, because it was very different than we've seen in years past, and we knew it was going to be different due to the pandemic and everything, but uh, I've got some some mixed thoughts on that, but I, I did want to hit on some of the big awards, some I really liked, some I did not, but we'll get into that. Now, see, we've got uh, we've got several people watching, so uh, thank you guys for joining me for this impromptu live portion. So let let's just dive right in. Th this just happened. First of all, I don't think I've ever seen an Academy Award end with an award that's not Best Picture because it's always you know they announce it. Everyone who worked on the film that is at the ceremony comes up, they give a little speech, and that's how you end things. So when they did that before Best Actor and Actress, I thought that was a little bit of a head-scratcher, if you will. And they even did Best Director earlier than, than usual. So that, that was very different as well. And then uh, Frances McDormand won a Best Actress for Nomadland, which I think is of surprise to no one. Nomadland did very well at, at this year's awards. I still haven't had the chance to see the movie yet, but I've, I've heard good things for the most part. Those who I know that have watched it. So we get to the end and we get to best actor and the nominees were, and hopefully I get all these names right. And I apologize if I don't, uh, Riz Ahmed from sound of metal the late Chadwick Boseman from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, who was the odds-on favorite to win. I think every prediction that I looked at, you know, whether it was website or YouTube video, had him as the winner. And then you had Anthony Hopkins from The Father, Gary Oldman from Mank, and Stephen Yin from Minari. And Anthony Hopkins won. And Samantha and I were just sitting there, both our mouths were just fully open, jaws on the floor, could not believe what had happened. And it wasn't just that, but they just kind of ended the show. And I don't know if it was because they were running late, but it was pretty much, you know, they're like, oh, Anthony Hopkins won. We want to thank you for watching and we'll see you next time. I, I don't, I don't get it. And I, I, granted, I haven't seen either movie. I haven't seen Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I haven't seen The Father. And it's no knock to Anthony Hopkins because I think he's a wonderful actor. I've enjoyed him in everything that I've seen him in. But 
I don't know, maybe it's a misinformed opinion, but I I don't know if if that's valid. And I mean, it's what I didn't like about it was that they were almost leading up to this being the end of the show where Chadwick Boseman was going to win and it would be this big emotional moment. And then he didn't. And the show just kind of ended. And I did not like that. I'll be completely honest. I think that sucked. I did not like that whatsoever. But I don't know. I have mixed feelings on the Oscars. I mentioned this on, on last week's show. I didn't have very high expectations going in because I feel like especially the last few years, the Oscars haven't really been catering to someone like me who has, I won't say peculiar tastes, but I like a wide range of movies. Don't get me wrong. I like indie films. I like good emotional dramas, but I also like the fun summer blockbuster movies. And growing up, I felt like there was at least a couple of films, whether it was for best picture or it might've been one of the actors or actresses up for an award that I had some type of an investment in. And I felt like I needed to watch to see if this person who I was rooting for or this movie that I was rooting for would win. And this year I, I just didn't, I didn't have that if I'm being completely honest. And I I will say this as far as I want to dive into the production a little bit because it was definitely different. It was it was filmed at a Union Station in Los Angeles. I didn't hate the setup. I actually kind of liked it. It was something different and it was smaller, which I was expecting. They did go to the inside of the Dolby Theater with Brian Cranston for a segment, which I thought was really cool. But I don't know, like, I love the beginning of it with, um, you know, like the opening credits and everything, almost like it was a movie that I actually enjoyed, but I don't know, there was something a little off about this year's Oscars, and I, I had heard this on a podcast uh, earlier today, maybe they shouldn't have done a traditional Oscars ceremony this year. Maybe what they should have done and again, this would be a little out there, but I think what they should have done was you get all your A-list celebrities, your directors, everyone all together, and you do a good old-fashioned telethon with all the money going to those who have been affected by COVID, whether it's, you know, indie filmmakers or, you know, filmmakers who aren't A-listers who are out of work who are struggling with healthcare workers, teachers, so many careers that have been affected by this virus over the last 12 months. I think that would have been really cool to do. You could have done like a six hour telethon and whatever money you raise it goes towards that cause. I think that would have been great. And I think it would have showed a very powerful display of unity, I, I guess is what I would call it. But you, know, unfortunately that, that didn't happen. And I'm not trying to knock those who won the awards tonight, because I'm sure that they're extremely happy. You know, like Daniel Kaluuya, who won a uh, best supporting actor for Judas and the black Messiah. I was rooting for him to win that award. I think he absolutely deserved it. I was a little surprised that uh trial of the Chicago seven laid a goose egg through the entire Oscars. I actually, that was one of the few Oscar nominated films that I actually watched, but it, it didn't, it didn't get anything, but I, I'll go through some of the, um, the results real quick. So, um, we started off with, uh, best original and adapted screenplays, best original screenplay, uh, nominees were Judas and the black Messiah, Minari, promising young woman, sound of metal and trial of the Chicago seven. I had picked, Chicago seven to win that one, but promising young woman, uh, won that. And then the father won best adapted screenplay, which I, I think that was one that everyone was expecting Nomadland to win. Like pretty much if it was nominated for something, people thought it was going to win. Uh, as I mentioned, Daniel Kaluuya won a best actor in a supporting role, which I, I think he absolutely deserved. Uh, Ma Rainey's black bottom won best makeup and hairstyling. 
and also won Best Costume Design. Uh, Chloe Chow won Best Director for Nomadland, which I think you know everybody was expecting. And what's actually cool is that she's going to be directing one of the next big Marvel films, uh, Eternals, that's coming out. Um, I believe it's coming out later this year. I know the the schedule with Marvel films has been uh, a little a little wonky. I'll actually Google that real quick because we are live. Let's see, Eternals release date, uh, November 5th. Yeah, so that does come out later this year. And again, if you're, um, if you're watching live, definitely throw in your thoughts on uh, the Academy Awards, and I will read them on the show. I'm very curious to get uh, everyone's thoughts on that, because I, I haven't checked Twitter since the ceremony ended, but I know that you know, people, people had mixed feelings uh, about the overall ceremony, as, as, as I do as well. Um, uh, kind of going back to the awards here a bit, um, let's see, oh, Soul won Best Animated Feature, which I loved, I, it was, Soul was actually my favorite movie of 2020, I think it did a great job of, in a way, explaining through a family-friendly film, the stages of life, and really how important life is, and told, and had so many emotional beats that relate to so many different people in so many different situations. So I was very happy that, that soul won. Um, let's see. Tenet won best visual effects. Oh, I've got to talk about this. Um, I believe her name was, uh, young Yu Jung who won uh, best actress in a supporting role for Minari watching her geek out over meeting Brad Pitt was one of the coolest moments of the entire uh, ceremony because you you could tell how grateful she was to win that award. And she just came off so likable. And then after she did her speech, watching Brad Pitt walk her to the backstage area, and she was just, you could tell she was starstruck. And in a way, you can't really blame her. I mean, who knows? You know, like if I were in that position, I couldn't say that, I wouldn't react that way to an extent. So that that was that was one of the the highlights of the entire night. That and seeing uh, Glenn Close dance to the butt was something I never thought I would see in my entire lifetime. So I, I got to talk about that segment real quick. I liked it in theory, but the execution was very awkward because it was like no one really knew how to react to it. They were doing Oscar trivia where the DJ would play a song and the contestant had to guess if it was an Oscar winner, an Oscar nomination, or neither. And the last person that participated in the trivia was Glenn Close and they played the butt and she knew what it was and she even knew how to do the dance and that, that popped the entire room. Otherwise, everybody was just kind of Sitting there like, oh, I, I don't really know how to react to this. It was very awkward in the beginning, but that was something that I never thought I would see. But it, it was it was hilarious. I I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, kind of going back to the awards here, um, Mank won Best Cinematography. And I mean, I, 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 I get it. I, I mean, I've... This this award here has all the Academy Award nominated films that I've actually seen. Juice and the Black Messiah, Mank, Trial of Chicago 7, Nomadland and News of the World were also nominated. Mank is a very interesting movie to me because like I, I like when when Hollywood tries to recreate old Hollywood. And I thought even the black and white visual and the way that the film was shot was like an old film from like the forties or the fifties, you know, like the, the, what they call the golden age of film, I guess you would call it, or, you know, the film from back then. And I, I thought, I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, was it my favorite of the Oscar nominated films that I've seen? No, but I, I enjoyed what they tried to do with with Mank and, and recreating old Hollywood. Uh let's see Sound of Metal won best film editing which 
that was presented by Harrison Ford. And I don't get me wrong. I, I love I love Harrison Ford, but I, I feel like he's been in a bad mood for like the last 30 years and it shows. But I, I but I love him anyway. Um, let's see. Going back. Uh, Soul won best original score. Best original song was Fight For You from Judas and the Black Messiah. And then Nomadland won Best Picture. Frances McDormand won uh, Best Actress in a Leading Role for Nomadland, which her, if you want to call it an acceptance speech, was very strange, to say the least, because she talked about, she compared her work to a sword and then just kind of left and I was like, well, all right, that's, I, I don't know if that's her personality. I don't know if maybe she just got too nervous and didn't really know what to say, couldn't put her words together. I don't know, it, it, but it was very strange. And then it ended with a uh, best actor in a leading role, which as I mentioned was Anthony Hopkins. I, I, I cannot believe that they ended the Academy Awards with that. You, in a way, set it up for Chadwick Boseman to win, and then he didn't. And I, I just thought that was wrong. You should have just, if that were the case, it should have just ended with Best Picture like the Academy Awards has for as long as I can remember. So th those were most of the winners for the Academy Awards this year. I... I don't want to say I hated it because I didn't hate all of it. I thought given what they did, I appreciate them trying to do something different, but it was even the little nuances of, you know, like whenever they were showing the nominees for, um, you know, like best actor or actress in a supporting role or, uh, well, no, I think they, no, I don't think they actually did now that I can think about it. They didn't really show too many movie clips from the nominated films, which I thought was kind of weird. Like with the, the best actor and actress, they just cut two shots of the nominee sitting in the crowd and whoever was the host of that segment would say a little something about them and then move on to the next person. Like I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit of the films because especially with this year, I don't know too many people that have seen too many of these movies. And I just think that could have benefited a little bit from, from that happening. I liked that, as I, as I mentioned, I liked the beginning of almost like a cinematic style intro of, you know, like the, the credits popping up on screen and everything. Some of those things I appreciated, but I, I assume that it will be back in the Dolby Theater in 2022. And hopefully it, it will be. But I think they got to keep tweaking it. You know, I mentioned last week, I think they should add new awards like best, you know, best first time director for a feature film. Maybe look at some other awards that might be appealing to what I'd call casual moviegoers and not just, you know, the, the art house inde independent dramatic film fan they got to do something but I liked some of the Oscars this year and some of it I didn't like I just I can't get over that ending I cannot believe that they actually did that and, and Christian Jones wrote uh, on my comment when I posted earlier uh, what was that trivia bit I liked it in theory but it just it wasn't executed very well My, minus minus the ending uh, let's see, we got Josh Shinnewark and Donna Kirby actually in the uh, in the chat. Josh says, I thought it was a little more predictable for winners this year than other years. I feel like they didn't put as much effort into production this year, which I understand why, but the lack of music and jokes were missed. And I agree they should have skipped this year. It didn't feel like a normal Oscar night. Several awkward moments, and you could see it on several faces. And Donna wrote, thought Chadwick was a slam dunk. That was the one I was honestly, other than Nomadland winning Best Picture and Chloe Chow winning Best Director, like those two plus Chadwick were like my slam dunk predictions. Like I thought there's no way 
that these two will not win. No possible way. But I, I don't know. I'm, and maybe it's like the raw emotion of it. Cause usually with these shows, I like to wait a couple of days and then simmer on what happened and kind of get my thoughts together. But I thought it'd be kind of fun to just dive into a live show and, you know, kind of rant about the Oscars a little bit because, you know, I even did it last week. You know, I, I said that I wasn't as excited for the Oscars this year and it, it felt very different in the sense that it was a smaller scale. It was in a smaller room and it, it didn't have that extravagant feel to me that we've come to expect from the Oscars. I mean, yeah, you had the, you know, the, the outfits that, you know, like all the women wearing the fancy dresses and everything, but it didn't have that same feel. And I, I didn't watch any of the pre-show, so I don't know if they did any of the traditional, you know, red carpet um, interview segments and everything like that, that you, know, you come to expect. But uh, I, I'm kind of speechless at this whole ending with not giving the best actor award to Chadwick Boseman. If I were his family, I'd be really upset right now. I'm not a member of his family and I'm upset for them. I'm upset for him. God rest his soul. And I, oh, by the way, I did think the uh, in memoriam thing that they did was really cool. And you could see the, a wide shot of the entire room that had uh, almost like torches or candles at each table and all the lights were off except for those. I, I thought, I thought that was really cool. You know, that, that's something that I won't say I look forward to cause that sounds kind of morbid, but seeing how they honor the, you know, the members of the film community who have passed away throughout the last, you know, 12 months leading up to that year's Oscars. But hopefully for next year, things will get back to normal. A lot of movies that were supposed to come out, last year and you know even early this year that were pushed back we'll finally get to see them i'm hoping that you bring a little bit of that you know type of an elegant appeal with the oscars while also i don't i don't know i'll have to really think on it because i i've even been thinking about it over the last couple of days of how i would make the oscars better and maybe that's something that i do you know, for this time next year, or hopefully it'll be back in February like it normally is, but maybe do a show and bring a couple of people on and we try and fix the Oscars because I really miss looking forward to the Oscars every year. So those are my overall raw emotional thoughts on the Academy Awards. There were parts of it that I thought were cool. Like the trivia idea, like I mentioned was cool in theory, but it just wasn't executed very well. And it was just very awkward. And I also didn't like that. It was late in the Oscar show. I think it would have benefited from maybe being around the halfway point, maybe a little bit before. I just, I thought the placement and the delivery of it was, was just not good. It led to the Glenn close moment, but that that was really that was really about it. There were a couple of cool speeches, but the the ending like if if I were to give this show a rating on a scale of one to ten, had Chadwick Boseman won, I probably would have given it like a six and a half. But with that, I got to give it like I'd say like a four and a half or a five. And Josh, yeah, I agree. I would love to see more crew members get recognition in the Oscars. I I absolutely agree with that because I say this ad nauseum on this show with people that I interview. Filmmaking is so dependent on the collaboration and having a strong crew. You know, like you, we have all these famous directors and actors, but it takes a village to make a movie. And I agree, some of... Some of the village uh, citizens who don't get the recognition they deserve absolutely need to. So, yeah, those are my overall thoughts on the 2021 Academy Awards. Thank you guys for joining me for this impromptu live show. If you're listening to it on the download, thank you for that as well. And speaking of download, 
Uh, coming up next is my fantastic conversation with local filmmaker and someone who I consider a friend, Mr. Nick Smith. He has been making films for a long time, and he was gracious enough years ago to help me out uh, with the Parker Syndrome. I didn't really know him that well. I don't know if I had even met him uh, before then. Like, I knew of him, but I don't think he and I had actually met at that point. And he had volunteered to come over to my house and do grip work. He helped you know, Kevin Almodovar, the director of photography, set up lights. And he created this short film, and we filmed it last August, called uh, Ask Astrid. And he reached out and asked if I'd be willing to help. And you know, I told him absolutely, because I think with anything, if someone helps you, then you should definitely help them. So I was happy to help him out with this project. I think it turned out great. And the cool thing is, is that it was actually accepted into the short film festival here at Pensacon that will be coming up um, here in just a few weeks. And this is the official kickoff uh, for Pensacon month here on the show. Uh, for the next few weeks, every guest that I have will have something to do with Pensacon, uh, whether it's celebrity guest or filmmaker who will be a part of the film festival. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, and I am happy to welcome back filmmaker Nick Smith to the show. Nick, how are you, sir? I am great, thank you. How are you, Derek? Doing fantastic. Uh, we've been catching up the last few minutes before we started recording, because I, I don't think we've really talked since we filmed Ask Astrid back in, what was it, August? That's right, yeah, yeah. Feels like a long time ago, but not that bad. Yeah, it, it's 2020 was a very odd year because usually time flies by at least i've noticed it as i've gotten older time flies by very quickly it seems like pre-covid 2020 was a lifetime ago and from like march to july was just a crawl like it seemed like it was never going to end and then yeah, i think as we got used to everything time kind of picked back up so it, on one hand it seems like yesterday that that we were filming astrid it does my theory with with the time thing is as you get older a week or a month is a smaller portion of your life. So it goes by faster. When you're one year old, a month is like one twelfth of your life. But now a month isn't that much of my life, you know? Yeah, it's crazy because we're already in April. So like a mm. quarter of the year is already over. How did that happen? It's absolutely insane. So I wanted to have you back on the show to talk about Ask Astrid, your latest short which was accepted into the Pensacon Short Film Festival. So congratulations for that. Uh, so how, how did you come up with the idea for this film? And, and we'll get into, you know, like the onset experience and kind of having to work around the COVID issues uh, in a bit. But how did you conceive the idea for this story? Um, the story, I kind of started percolating it a few years ago and it really came off the back of comments I heard from people where uh, they'd mentioned um, something they wanted to buy or something they needed for the home. And then it would pop up on their, you know, their um, Facebook feed or their internet banner or an email, they get an email saying, Hey, buy these shoes. And they really, they were joking about it, but there is also an insidious part of that too was Alexa or Google Home or something listening to us talking about our preferences. And of course, we put our preferences out there on social media. You know, we talk about the things that we like, we share interests with friends and advertisers do pick up on that. But um, a machine listening to you in the home and us allowing the machine to listen to us um, fascinated me. So I wanted to um, turn that idea into a feature film, maybe something uh, like a Hitchcock film where someone is listening in using a device and they hear about a crime and then they have to solve the crime. I like that. No, it's, it's interesting because I've always been attracted to sci-fi films from an early age, from watching Star mm -hmm. Wars, some of the original Star Trek films. So anything that has a little bit of a 
sci-fi or you know, kind of technology piece has always fascinated me. So I know when you would ask if I was interested in helping out and you sent me a copy of the script and I read it, I was like, this is really cool because it, it even kind of taps into what's going on. Like you mentioned with, you know, I might be talking with somebody about, oh, I saw this really cool camera online. I'd love to get it. And then I scroll through Facebook, go to BNH photo and buy this new Canon camera. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this phone listening to me? So I, I was, you know, drawn to the plot from the very start. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, Star Wars was a big influence when I was a nipper. I was very small when it came out. And uh, it was how they marked, just not, it, it was a great film, but also the way they marketed it was very important. They would, you had the making of, you had articles in the Star Wars Weekly, and you had um, very much a behind the scenes look at the film that helped to sell it. And that really um, inspired me as a kid. So when I knew Pensacon was looking for fantasy, horror, or sci-fi short films. I thought, I want to make something specifically to enter this festival. And, uh, you know, sci-fi seemed a good fit. I had the idea for Astrid already. So um, that was the reasoning behind that. But also, it's scary. So I get to say something and also, you know, tell a fun little story. Well, I think what's great about the film, too, is it's... It tells a broader picture of, you know, the, the, the asteroid machine in people's homes, you know, essentially listening in on what's going on. Right. But what I also like is that it's a very intimate story in a way, because you have essentially one actress who is communicating with Astrid through the whole film. And you even get a little glimpses into her life as well. So I love that you could tell a big picture story while also having an intimate setting and an intimate story in it as well. It really is a relationship story between um, the human played by Megan Caulfield and Astrid, the machine played by Anne-Marie Crouch. And although Astrid's voice is a voiceover, I was very um, determined to have Anne-Marie in on set with Megan so that they would have that relationship. They'd be able to look each other in the eyes and, you know, um, just kind of bounce off each other. And that was interesting too, because I was curious as to how that was going to work, how Megan would interact with a machine that, you know, obviously mm -hmm. the voice is going to be put in later. So it was cool to see Anne-Marie show up on set and they actually read the lines to each other. And I was like, that's, brilliant and i felt like an idiot for not even thinking of that <laughs> well so there, it's cool. you know, uh, another kind of part of it is that um astrid is an ai and just learning so it's almost having the newbie at work where you're training them and so they do kind of build that teacher-student relationship as well um and we almost forget that astrid is a machine but then we're reminded and hopefully that gives people goosebumps. Yeah, it was really cool to watch it, you know, unfold on set as it was happening. And speaking of on set, you know, we filmed this around end of August. I want to say is the right time frame, like late August, early September. How is it with dealing with the COVID protocols? Because you you ran a very what I felt like was a safe set, when, mm -hmm. and it was a it was a smaller set, but still. You, you followed proper protocols and everything like that. So uh, how was the the dealing with the pandemic protocols like when it comes to making Astrid? Well, thank you for saying it was a safe set. We did do a lot of preparation. We did a lot of studying. Film Florida was helpful because they brought out guidelines of how to keep a set COVID safe. The number one thing was to keep the crew as small as possible and also keep the cast as small as possible. So like I said, really, we, we only had one um, actress in front of the camera. So that cut down on possible, you know, spread or, you know, people being close to each other for a long time because you're on set for a long time. And uh, yeah, we just followed the CDC guidelines. We didn't keep anyone um, on set for too long and it worked out, yeah. The main thing was listening to everybody, being aware of their concerns and um, acting on them. So our 
excellent DP, Kevin Almodovar, um, he, he was very um, conscious, COVID conscious as well. And that's one reason why I was very happy to work with him. And we kind of um, made sure that we were both comfortable with what we were doing as far as wearing masks, gloves, disinfecting everything, making sure the equipment was clean and so on and so on. And what I love about our film community is you see a lot of faces helping out other people. You know, like, you, know you, for example, you helped me out with the Parker syndrome. So I was more than happy to help you out with your film. You see Kevin works on a lot of sets. You have Teens Blackburn, uh, Brandon Perdue. You know, so many, you see so many names come up throughout several projects. So I, I think that speaks volumes to the community that we've built up here on the Gulf Coast. It is amazing. And there are other places, um, you know, in Florida is pretty good. There's a good community in central Florida, for example, and uh, down in Miami as well. But there are other states that don't have that, especially the bigger cities where it's more dog eat dog. And I think we create more quality product and we have more fun by working together. It's funny how that works, isn't it? It's interesting because a lot of people have that mindset, well, I don't want to help others because it could hurt me. Mm -hmm. But yeah. really, if you help others, and I, you know, I'll, I'll use myself for an example. You know, I haven't been on a ton of film sets, but when the opportunity comes, I do it because I get to help out other people. And I also get to learn from other people. I've learned a lot just from watching Kevin work, you know, how yeah. he moves the camera and picking his brain when it comes to you know, how he visualizes everything. And then, you know, working with you and several others, you can really help each other by, or you can help yourself by helping each other is what I should say. But I, a lot of people don't have that mindset, unfortunately. Right. Well, Kevin loves to, to teach as well, to kind of explain what he's doing. And I love to train people as well. So having that kind of mindset when you go in, you know, how can I help other people without being condescending? Just, you know, this is why I'm doing this thing. Um, this is what they call Apple boxes. This, this is jargon, you know? So I think that's a good attitude to go in with rather than I'm going to keep my secrets to myself and no one else can know. I've just never understood that personally. And you just, you can learn a lot just even by being, on set, even if you're a PA, and I, I tell people, if you have the opportunity to go on a set, you should do it just because you can learn a lot from watching other people do what they do. Well, they need to come on one of my sets because I'll put them to work. <laughs> I'm anyone just sitting in a corner, come here, you need to do something. Yeah, um, but, on, yeah. but that's the best way to learn, though, is, is by mm -hmm. doing it. And, and I think, you know, film schools are great. I think online courses are great, but there's nothing quite like the on the job training you get from actually doing it. Exactly. You know, when, when, when we filmed the Parker syndrome, I learned a lot from picking Steve Wise's brain about everything. But a lot of what I learned also was the first day that we got on set and I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for this, but thankfully having like a Steve or a Kevin, you know, who's mm -hmm. been there before and you know, know what to do. I learned a lot from from those two and you know you and several other people from here in the community. So I, I'll forever be appreciative of that. And I hope to continue to learn and continue to help out. Well, you rocked it when you directed the Parker Syndrome. You need to make more. Well, I, I've, I've mentioned this briefly on previous episodes, but I, I do have another script that I'm working on that I, I hope to... I've still got to tweak the ending a little bit, but I, I think it's... It's just about ready for, you know, actual shooting. And I, I hope to do it, you know, a little bit later on in the year, maybe like end of summer, early fall. So and we were talking about this, you know, earlier, too. It's good to see other projects that are coming out because this area seemed dormant for quite a while after COVID hit. And I know we were doing some, you know, online Zoom meetings about, you know, like just filmmaker meet and greets or they might have been roundtables on specific mm -hmm. topics, but. It's good to see that that work is out there again. Definitely, yes. And, you know, myself and colleagues, we're not having to travel so far. Um, 
we can actually work around this area instead of having to go to Texas or Timbuktu to make a movie. We'd rather do them here. Yeah, and Timbuktu is a long way to go from here. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's mileage. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, man. So speaking of work, you've also been working on some other things as well. I know you're working on uh, the referral, which we did uh, yes. early in 2020. I know that that seems like I mentioned early 2020 pre-COVID seems like another lifetime. And you've also been helping produce uh, zombies. So how have those projects been coming along? Yeah. So the referral was a lot of fun to film. Again, we did it locally. We did it in Fort Walton Beach and Destin. Mm-hmm. And um, it's about a hitman who falls in love with his target. It's a short film. It has um, a lot of cool people in it. Uh, a Mr. Derek Diamond makes an appearance, for example. The, the back left corner of the screen, you <laughs> yeah. might see me somewhere. Lincoln, you'll miss him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the director, he moved out of town and you know the, the film sat for a while due to COVID. So finally we were able to clean it up, finish it up. And um, we're almost at picture lock. So then I'll send it to the composer the composer will put some music together and then Bob's your uncle. It'll all be done. And you're also working on zombies as well. Yes. Yeah. So I'm producing a feature film. Uh, zombies is about these mutant bees that attack a small beach town. And it's um, it's got a lot of humor in it. It's like a, a B movie you might see on the sci-fi channel. But what I love about it is it's all local. We are the furthest um, away people that we're using are um, a couple of, uh, basically our DP is from um, Georgia. Um, But that's about it. Everyone else is from Northwest Florida or thereabouts. Um, And we've been just doing a lot of pre-production, getting everything ready, doing um, kind of proof of concept teaser trailer. And finally, we're getting to film the bulk of it in May, which is pretty exciting. No, that's fantastic. And uh, you know, I talked with Alicia on the show a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, and it sounds like a really fun concept to be a part of. You know, as soon as I saw the title and read briefly what it was about, I'm like, I'm all in. Because I'm like you, I, I enjoy the, you know, kind of the the B quality movies. Like, there's a certain charm that they have that you can't really get with any other type of film. Exactly, they're just so fun and relaxing to watch. You want them to be a bit silly, yeah. Because that's part of the entertainment factor. But there's, you know, there's a serious relationship uh, situation in the film. So you do care about the characters. And it's just been fun to, to work with the local actors like teens you mentioned earlier, um, who can really bring it to this story and react to those bees coming at them. It's, yeah. It's, I can't it's wait fun. to see it. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, talk with me a little bit about, you mentioned you're producing zombies. A lot of people may not know what exactly a producer does. You see the title all the time in movies, but a lot of people don't know about that side of the industry. What goes into the role of a producer and what specifically are you doing as a producer with zombies? There's different kinds of producers, but um, if someone asks me, what a producer does, I, I say that he or she makes sure everything comes together to make the movie. So are the actors ready on set? Is the crew ready? Do we have um, the footage that we need? To, you know, do we have the effects guy to blow smoke on us? And, you know, can we get everyone together? So Really, I think that is the producer's responsibility. You've got a hands-on producer like me who will be on the set, you know, making sure everything's going smoothly and just helping out wherever I can. And then there's a more hands-off producer who is, you know, not necessarily on set. Maybe he's uh, working on casting. You know, so we might be halfway through the movie. We need to find another actor. The producer's away making phone calls with a casting director, um, trying to make that happen securing whatever we need for the film but yeah it's the logistics it's it's like i de- i describe it as um being an office boy with a walkie-talkie because i do all the paperwork and i do the um you know make sure that the money goes in the right directions 
and just make sure that film gets made. I've met so many filmmakers who wanted to make a movie or had a great idea, but they just couldn't make that final step to get the film made. So I'm all about, you know, helping that happen, even if it's just by encouraging people and motivating them and say, this can be done. You know, I have a day job, I have bills to pay, but still I can do this. So hopefully that, that encourages other people to do it too. Well, it is encouraging to see someone who can balance out the, because working on a film is like a second job. If you're doing an indie film, even if it's a short, you you it is a second job. So it is encouraging to see other people who can do it while also balancing the normal life, like the day job, paying the bills, you know, family things, all that type of stuff. So it it is encouraging. I, I will definitely say that as as someone who's been on that side of it, it is very encouraging. Well, it's important to find a balance, and as someone who lives eats and sleeps movies, you know, I'll wake up, I'll probably have a movie on in the background while I'm working straight away. Um, I also have to find, you know, I have to spend time with friends. I have to, you know, go walk the dog. I have to do normal life things. It's not just about making those movies. Although I hope that the things that I make help other people to relax and take their minds off their work. So it's a good circle to be in. Well, and that's one of the more positive things I think that came out of 2020 was the increased awareness of mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it's something that's very important, regardless of whether you're a filmmaker or what career you're in. You've got to find the balance. Otherwise, you're just going to drive yourself crazy. Definitely. And the social aspect of filmmaking is so important. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm a writer as well, and that's very solitary. And I... You know, I hate that I can't kind of um, just kind of go down the pub. I have to finish my script or novel or whatever. So when I get on a set with friends or even new people and we work through the problems and we make a movie, it's, it's um, it just kind of connects you very closely with other people. So that's kept me doing it for a long time. It's ironic to say, because I don't consider myself to be a very sociable person. The collaboration Mm. is my favorite aspect of filmmaking. It's working with other people and picking their brain, learning from them, possibly teaching them some things that I might know. Seeing everyone come together for the common goal, you know, that might have different backgrounds from different, you know, states or even different countries, but all coming together for one goal. And I think that's really inspiring. Yeah, definitely. I've seen people who have very little English, for example, but they know how to throw up a light. They know that we're going for a particular framing and they can work a set. I have a friend who uh, worked on South American movies. He didn't speak a word of Spanish, but um, he was able to jump in there and just help out with the camera department. So there's the language of film. It's not quite the language of love, but it's the language of film love. So, you know, that's universal, which is good. That's fantastic. But as we start to wrap up here, I always like to end the interviews with this. What is one piece of advice that you could give to an aspiring filmmaker? Just to make something. Um, Whether you have... um, a DSLR camera or a, a smartphone, just uh, make a short film. I wouldn't jump into a feature straight away because that's a big deal. But yeah, just just make something because the more you make, the more films you make, the better. And it's, um, again, I've met people who want to do it and they never take that leap. Uh, I, I teach acting as well. And I remember teaching a lady who was in her late 70s, early 80s. And she said, you know, this is the first time I've ever done acting and I love it. I wish I'd done it before. And I wouldn't want anyone to be in that situation where they've waited all their life, they've waited that long to follow a passion. So yeah, grab a camera and make something and show it to people and don't be scared. Yeah, I love that at the end, don't be scared because you know, half, half the fun is learning through mistakes. Mm-hmm. 
you know, even with this podcast, I've made so many mistakes with it, but it's a learning opportunity and it's really the only way that you can learn. And sometimes through mistakes are the best way to learn. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My first films are um, not perfect, but I learned so much by making them that now I can make features and be confident about what I do and helping other people. And that's fantastic. Last question. Do you have any website or social media that you'd like to plug so the viewers and listeners can follow you? I do have my Facebook page, Nick Smith Productions, where I throw up a whole bunch of random things. The main place I would ask people to visit is the Zombies uh, page on Facebook because you can follow um, how the movie's coming together. It's a lot of fun. We have a lot of silly kind of B cartoons on there. And also, you know, we let people know what we need. So when we're looking for crew, actors, locations, that kind of thing, um, you can see what we need and we'd love to have you involved. Absolutely. Well, Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. And you can watch Ask Astrid at the Pensacon Short Film Festival, which Pensacon takes place May 21st through 23rd. So visit Pensacon.com for more information for that. Nick, thank you for taking the time to do this interview. And thank you for the opportunity to work on Ask Astrid. It's a real pleasure. Thanks for all your help, Derek. Thanks again to Nick Smith for coming on the show to talk about his film, Ask Astrid. And congrats to him once again for it being accepted into the Pensacon Short Film Festival. It was great being able to help out with it. I was very grateful that he asked me to be a part of his project and can't wait to work with him again in the future. And also thanks again to those who tuned into my impromptu live show this past week with me giving my 2021 Oscars ceremony reactions. For next week's show, Pensacon Month continues here on the podcast as I chat with filmmaker Eileen Sheedy about her film The Legend of Stella, which was also accepted into the Pensacon Short Film Festival. And I'll also be talking about video game adaptations, which has been a source of, I won't say controversy, but it's a very divided topic when it comes to fans of video games as well as film. I thought with the new Mortal Kombat movie coming out, as well as the conversation with Eileen, it would be a fun chat. So uh, be on the lookout for a post on social media about some of your favorite video game adaptations, because that'll be a really fun discussion here on next week's show. But until then, you can check out past episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, anywhere you get your podcast for free. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can also find the shows on YouTube. Just search for Derek Diamond and you can find the video versions of the show there. You can also follow me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Podcast. I'm also on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. And of course, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday. <laughs>